0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It. In today's episode, I get to talk to Dr. Sherry Walling. She's kicking off our mini-series on how to build a business, and she's helping us answer a very important question. Am I ready to start my own business? Sherry's a fantastic person to talk to and a wealth of knowledge. We talk self-publishing, self-knowledge, podcasting, and much more. This is a great episode, and we're going to get into it. But first, a word from our sponsors. This season of How I Built It is brought to you by two fantastic sponsors. The first is Liquid Web. If you're running a membership site, an online course, or even a real estate site on WordPress, you've likely already discovered many hosts that have optimized their platforms for a logged out experience where they cache everything. Sites on their hardware are great for your sales and landing pages, but struggle when your users start logging in. At that point, your site is as slow as if you were on $3 hosting. Liquid Web built their managed WordPress platform optimized for sites that want speed and performance, regardless of whether a customer is logged in or logged out. Trust me on this, I've tried it out, and it's fast, seriously fast. Now, with their single site plan, Liquid Web is a no-brainer for anyone whose site is actually part of their business and not just a site promoting their business. Check out the rest of the features on their platform by visiting them at buildpodcast.net slash liquidweb. That's buildpodcast.net slash liquidweb. It's also brought to you by Jilt. Jilt is the easiest way to recover abandoned shopping carts on WooCommerce, Easy Digital Downloads, and Shopify. Your e-commerce clients could be leaving literally thousands of dollars on the table. And here's why. 70% of all shopping carts are abandoned prior to checkout. Yes, you heard that right. 70% of shoppers never make it to checkout. And that's why you need to introduce your clients to Jilt. Jilt uses proven recovery tactics to rescue that lost revenue. It's an easy win that lets you boost your client's revenue by as much as 15% and it only takes 15 minutes of your time to set up. Jilt fully integrates with WooCommerce, EDD, and Shopify, and you can completely customize the recovery emails that Jilt sends to match your client's branding using its powerful drag and drop editor or by digging into the HTML and CSS. Even better, Jilt's fair pricing means your clients pay only for the customers they actually engage, and you get to earn a cut of that through Jilt's partner program. Whether you have clients that process one sale per month or 10,000 sales per month, be the hero and help them supercharge their revenue with Jilt. Check them out at buildpodcast.net slash Jilt. That's buildpodcast.net slash J-I-L-T. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, How did you build that today? My guest is Dr. Sherry Walling. Dr. Sherry, how are you today? <laughs> I'm good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a mouthful.
0: I know, and like I was like totally on autopilot, so I was just like, the first thing you say is the first name, so just say that. Uh how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. It's like 30 degrees in Minneapolis, which is like summer vacation weather for us in the middle of winter. So it's been like negative 10. So 30 is like amazing.
0: Yeah. Being from the Northeast, I thought I had it pretty bad at like negative one. And then I look at like the what you guys are going through. And and, uh, so I was grateful to have like one 60 degree day last week. I'm like, it's like 65 degrees warmer than it's been. But, you know, it builds character, I think. So you are going to be talking to us today about well about mental health in general but uh you have a book coming out I'm going to to bleep the bad word cuz I don't want to throw the explicit warning on this so it's it's keeping your beep together <laughs> so uh
1: the entrepreneur's guide to keeping your beep together ah, how to run your business without letting it run you
0: ah there we go that's the full name i really wish i had that up and i had something else up on my other screen so that is i was kind of perusing the book before this interview and there's a lot of great stuff in there but why don't we start with uh who you are and what you do
1: Yeah. So I'm a clinical psychologist. I have a PhD in clinical psychology. And I have traditionally done a lot of work with people who have really high intensity jobs. So I did a lot of my training with folks in the military. And then uh, since built a practice working largely with uh, physicians, attorneys, people who just have like sort of high pressure, high stress work. And in the last couple of years, I've been doing a podcast with my husband, Rob Walling, who's a serial tech founder. He's Started a company called Hittail, a company called Drip, and a company or a a conference called MicroConf. So he's like techie guy. So a couple of years ago, three years ago, actually, we started a podcast together called Zen Founder, where we talk about the mental side, the family side of being an entrepreneur and try to share some good information that's, you know, informed by science as well as our experience to help people's lives be a little bit easier in the midst of uh, starting and running a business
0: man that's fantastic, and I'm so excited to have you on the show because it's unlike any guest I've really had. you know, I usually talk to developers or entrepreneurs about the things that they've created, but mental health, I feel is something that is being discussed a little bit more but still isn't given the the kind of center stage thought that it it should so uh, I'm definitely going to link your podcast in the show notes it's a great it's a great show, and uh you guys cover like a lot of. I mean, you guys get like pretty personal on the show too, right? It's like probably not easy doing a show like that.
1: You know, it's interesting. We started out not very personal. We started out a lot of like, you know, 10 points to beat procrastination kind of thing. But the last year, really the last year and a half, we've been through some really significant things in our family, including the acquisition of Rob's company that led us to move from California to Minneapolis and... Some of the things that we went through as a family, I think, were just super relevant to the people that listened to the show. And then last November – I'm sorry, last January, uh, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. So that became a thing that also shaped our lives but had some impact on our businesses. So we didn't set out to do a podcast that was like about us, but I – work with founders. I'm a consultant with founders. I'm a therapist for founders. So I know that those kinds of experiences in your family life definitely have an impact on your business. And it it just sort of made sense and was authentic for us to begin talking a little bit more about our family life and personal life and the context of what it meant for us as we you know, both run businesses.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And And so you also kind of in that same vein, you mentioned that you are a clinical psychologist for I'm sorry, psychologist or psychiatrist?
1: Psychologist. Hugs
0: not drugs. Okay, <laughs> That's what I thought, and I I just like abbreviated it. So I want to make sure that we're using the right word here. Uh, for high high stress work, right? I I feel like, and again, this is like all kind of stuff that uh, is from personal experience. But you know, I've gotten uh, you know, you don't have a real job. You work for yourself, or you're a freelancer and stuff like that. A lot of people who aren't in it kind of view self-employment or freelancing, especially freelancing has that negative connota- connotation as like easy, right? It's they don't view it as like high stress.
1: Yeah, I feel like maybe those folks don't know what it's like to be responsible for your own paycheck.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, especially like if you have kids or i you know i just went full time self employed in june i had a 3 month old at home i don't know what i was thinking but it's working out so far so uh, but it it can get very stressful
1: yeah i think there are some really unique stresses that go along with being a freelancer or bring a, being an entrepreneur in that you do assume responsibility for the direction of your entire life and that includes the you know the financial responsibility as well as all of the decisions weigh on you. And again, lots of us have high intensity jobs and stressful jobs, but I think there's something unique about the entrepreneur life because it is such a solo enterprise and you bear all of the weight on your own. Even if you have a, a you know, a spouse that's all in and even sometimes if you have a business partner, it's a uniquely lonely enterprise, which I think, you know, from a mental health perspective has some pretty significant challenges.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned that before you did this, you kind of got in, you were doing military. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I worked in uh, several different VA hospitals and in Los Angeles and in Boston.
0: Gotcha. And and so what was the transition like? Did you find that it was completely different contexts or were there like shockingly similar contexts between the two?
1: I think that there are some similarities in the sense that a lot of people who've been in combat learn to operate at a level of elevation or a level of stress that feels normal to them. It becomes normal to them. And I've seen a very similar pattern in entrepreneurs who've maybe gone through the like the intensity of a big launch um, if they're in software for example and learn to operate at this level of stress this level of like go 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 and they forget like what civilian life is like or you know similar yeah. to people who are returning from combat it feels sort of strange to be in civilian life after adjusting to the intensity of a combat zone and it's it's obviously not a perfect parallel but there are certainly some parallels in the intensity, constant drive, constant rush, constant push that entrepreneurs can find themselves in without kind of this memory of how to live in a more relaxed, sustainable way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just to like add like a personal point onto that, I've been uh, you know, I've been kind of self-employed in some way, shape, or form since high school. I've been full-time. I've been moonlighting. And, and one of the big adjustments, and I'm still having trouble with this, right, is when I'm watching my daughter, like if my wife's a night shift nurse, when I'm watching my daughter, I have a hard time not, like, waiting for her to take a nap so I can go do some work. Or, like, when I have some downtime, do some work instead of, like, just watch TV. Like, it's always... When am I going to have time to do that next thing that's on my plate? And uh, I, I'm like, do all parents go through this? And, and probably not. A lot probably have like a nine to five and they're very good at separating their work life from their home life. And, and But it's just that's a transition for me. Uh, and I don't, I don't feel like I'm like super high stress in, in my work. But that's a transition that's been kind of hard for me. So I, I can totally see like what you're saying and, and, and where you kind of went with the analogy.
1: It's a sense of being never off.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which could be very stressful. And so you have this this book that's kind of the entrepreneur's guide to, to making sure you are ready to be an entrepreneur and, and again I, I have the, I have the book in front of me. I was looking at the table of contents and, and the chapter that jumped out at me the most was chapter three, self-knowledge. Because one of the things that I'll recommend to people who are saying I'm thinking about doing it is you need to ask, are are you ready? Have you thought about this? Is this even something that you want? Right? A lot of people say like working for yourself is a coveted thing, but it's not for everybody. So We can kind of frame all of the questions around that chapter, but uh, you know, branch out as you'd like. Uh, When you, first of all, what gave you the idea for the book?
1: We've had the podcast. We we just recorded episode one fifty one, and so there's a lot of content that Rob and I have been talking about over the years and that I've been talking about at conference presentations and things like that. And we wanted to really create something where it was just easy and accessible where people could get sort of like the take home bullet points in a in a fast digestible way where they didn't have to listen to 150 <laughs> hours of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Although hey, we're very entertaining. And so it it also I think is is a way of just getting that information out there in a way that's easily accessible. And then I also wanted to really expand I think the reach beyond folks who are dedicated podcast listeners. There's you know, it's it's I think podcasting is an amazing medium and it's been something that I have really enjoyed doing over the last few years. But certainly there's a larger group of people who are going to pick up a book than will will sit and listen to a podcast.
0: Nice, absolutely. And so, uh, when you set out to to do the book, did you get advice from anybody? Do you know a lot of published authors who gave you advice? Did you go through the proposal process of like finding a publisher? Are you self-publishing? What was kind of the legwork for like the before you decided before you set out to actually write the book?
1: Yeah, I thankfully know quite a few authors, and so was able to talk with them and kind of review the pros and cons of publishing in different ways. I also have a, a, a previous life as an academic. I was a tenure track faculty for, for three years. And so a lot of my world has revolved around writing and publishing, mostly in academic journals which is very different than what this book is. Thankfully, (laughs) (laughs) it's a little bit more entertaining. (laughs) So we decided, and Rob is second author on the book. So we decided that we would self-publish primarily because, you know, it allowed us to retain a lot of control and, you know, some focus on building our audience. Mm -hmm. And so that was a decision that we made really thinking about what the intention for the book was.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. And, And so, uh, Well, first of all, getting published in an academic journal I know is not easy or exciting because I did it in in grad school. And it's like, I can't even go back and read this paper that I helped write because it's like so dry. It's just like very, here are the facts.
1: And I would spend like nine to 12 months writing a paper, you know, especially after you conduct the research, you Mm -hmm. run your stats, you do that whole process. And I would spend all of this time writing a paper and maybe like, maybe like 50 people would read it. I mean, and I, I I got published in some reasonable journals that have pretty good reach. But then I get on the podcast and, you know, after after working at it for several years, thousands of people, for better or worse, listen to Rob and I talk every week. And so the reach and the impact in the community is so much greater, which is why I, I'm really grateful to have the medium and um, hopefully now publish the book in a way that will have bigger reach than the 50 people who read my analysis of, uh, I don't know, combat related PTSD.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I will say that uh, my paper, which was on like, I think the title is like automated congestion detection using mobile GPS. It's like traffic detection using phones. Uh, And it was published in like 2008 before, like it was a thing that happened. I think one person cited my paper in their paper. And I was like, it was like, I had a party about it. I'm like, yes. (laughs) but self publishing is great i've also gone through the publishing process with a publisher so that's that's a very different thing too it's like you have the proposal and and a lot of back and forth but for audience building especially you know i did that cuz like the publisher had audience and was interested in the topic and so I mean, you get some money up front but i i don't know how much my audience grew because of it so so as far as self publishing goes before we really get into the the topic What's do you have like a a game plan for it as far as like uh are you gonna do like print on demand? Is it only going to be a a PDF or or an ebook and and things like that?
1: Well we're we're doing a printed book, an audio book, and the ebook. So We've gone through Amazon's CreateSpace, which is, like, the most archaic piece of software that I've used since (laughs) DOS-based email in college. (laughs) Um, Sorry, Amazon, but your CreateSpace sucks.
0: Yeah, plus one on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just – I'm like, really? Really? This is the best we have? So (laughs) – yeah, so we have the printed version, which I'm looking at a proof right now and nice. it it feels good in my hands, I gotta awesome. say. And then we'll have the ebook and then I, I recorded the audio book, which I think for the podcast listeners who are used to listening to my voice, that will that will feel, you know, familiar yeah. um, and, and hoping that it's not irritating to everyone who's not <laughs> used to listening to my voice.
0: Hey everybody. I wanna tell you about a sponsor I'm so excited to have on the show this week, and that's Beaver Builder. Beaver Builder is a drag-and-drop page builder and a platform you can trust with your business. Free up your time and join over half a million websites built with Beaver Builder. I have been using Beaver Builder for a couple of years now, and I couldn't be happier with it. It's an excellent tool with a lot of flexibility. You can check them out at buildpodcast.net slash builder. That's buildpodcast.net slash builder. And now, back to the show. Uh, was it different, like, like narrating the book as opposed to actually doing the podcast? Do you have, like, a more formal, like, cadence to the audiobook? Or is it more, is it still that casual conversation? I just had a curiosity. I,
1: I really worked hard for it to sound more casual. Because I think, I think audiobooks. Especially when they are read by the author, if they're read in a way that feels really like rote and detached, mm-hmm. I think something is really lost. Yeah. So there's definitely some parts in the audiobook where I just sort of like go on a tangent and riff a little bit, and I'm like, okay, audiobook listeners. So I really <laughs> wanted it to be more conversational. Nice. And again, we'll see if that feels good to the listener once we get some some feedback and reviews about it. But I will tell you that I recorded the audiobook before we finalized the printed version of the book and that was super valuable because of course I've read it over and over. I wrote it, I've edited it. I've spent a lot of time with this material, yeah. but reading it out loud, there were just things that like, Oh, that came out funny or that's not what I meant. Or so it was a really nice final process of editing the book actually to read it out loud, record the audiobook, and then go back and actually make some changes to the printed text where it just didn't sound right. As I read it out loud.
0: Yeah, that's I think that's like really great advice for like any kind of long form writing especially, right? Like uh, you know, some advice I got from a, an English teacher uh in school was like read it out loud and see how it sounds. And I did that with like a newsletter I got where somebody said this app has become my wife and I's favorite and I'm like you did not read this out loud cuz that's not grammatically correct. And it sounds super weird like my wife is and I's. Hard. Yeah, like um Yeah. So that's I mean, I think that's great advice in general, because you really do get to see or hear how it sounds to the reader. Right. So that's that's fantastic. And then another bonus of self-publishing, right, is you mentioned you're getting you're going to get feedback from readers, listeners. You can iterate more quickly on a self-published book. Right.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I own the audio files. If people are like, what happened to you in chapter five? Like, I can go back and fix that. (laughs) Or I can go back and make modifications that that I feel like need to be made once the once the products have had some life to them.
0: Right, right. And on that same token, you know, I'm very grateful for my publisher. uh, But my book is three, almost four years old at this point. And if I want to make updates to it, uh, they don't want to do a version two. So now I have to go through like getting the rights back so I can update and distribute it, distribute it if I want to. So that's not to say like, I'm very grateful for my publisher. And like, it was like, it's Peach Pit. And like, I learned how to make websites from Peach Pit. So I'm like honored that they published my book. But, you know, a few years down the line, especially with tech books, it's, it's out of date. And now, I, there, this is another hurdle I have to go through to to if I want to put out the book again. Oh yeah, go ahead.
1: I was gonna say, I think, I think. If there's a a second or third book in my future, like I would definitely consider going through a publisher just to have that experience. I also do swim in the academic circles still a little bit and Mm. there's there is still a cachet to being published by a publisher and having gone through, you know, that review process. So I'm I don't diminish that process at all. I think it's really important. But I think for this one, we wanted to get this out to our like scrappy podcast audience. Yeah. Yeah. And so it feels good to have self-published this one, and again, I would totally consider going through a publisher the next round.
0: Totally. It, it comes down to like, like like what you've been saying. it all depends on what you want. I will say like having that book officially published is what helped I feel, that helped me land my job at, at Crowd Favorite. Or at least Kareem, uh, the CEO of Crowd Favorite and, and a good friend, and my former boss was uh, very happy that I was able to publish that book because it was you know it was something that we could tell clients. So uh, there is a cachet to ha- being published and it really all depends on what your goal is. If you're going to iterate quickly, self-publishing is definitely the way to go. Cool. So let's, uh, we're like 20 minutes into this conversation. Let's, let's talk about the, the uh, subject matter. I'll say like, Sherry, you're very easy to talk to, which is probably a great, a, a great quality to have in a, a clinical psychologist. So this is why we're like 20 minutes in and we haven't even talked about the book. So this is going to be a longer than normal episode.
1: Soon I'm going to get you talking about your mother.
0: I know, I know, right? So I'm I'm an Italian, so I'm I'm very attached to my mother, of course. <laughs> but uh, let's let's talk about chapter three, self-knowledge. Maybe you can give us like a quick overview of what that chapter covers and kind of your goal for writing that chapter. Does that sound good?
1: Yeah. So really my goal was not to help people assess whether or not they're ready to be an entrepreneur. Mm. I think my goal is is generally to assume that lots of different kinds of people can be successful as an entrepreneur, especially if you have like a really clear sense of what your strengths and weaknesses are and know how to plan around them. So in this chapter, we talk about a couple of different continuums. So one is introversion extroversion, which you know lots of us talk about all the time. Um, one that we talked about is growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And the last one that we talk about is chaos versus rigidity. And so we think about these continuums as different ways of kind of organizing a personality. And No matter if you are an introvert or an extrovert or you tend toward the more rigid or you tend toward the more chaotic, there's a place for you in the entrepreneurial world. But being able to tell the truth about what you're good at and what your liabilities are is is really the point of self-knowledge.
0: Gotcha. So, I mean, that's a huge step in being successful, like being a successful entrepreneur, like knowing like I know, for example, that I would like to be more rigid than I am but i'm more of a, i have like 14 notebooks on my desk right now um with different notes in each of them like as long as i understand that that's the way i work and at some point during my day i organize all of those into a single list or a group of notes that'll help me stay on track right i'll focus less on i need to be more rigid and more on focusing on the core of my business is that accurate
1: absolutely and I think you know those of us who tend to be more flexible and more kind of big picture thinking, more outside the box, those are great entrepreneurial skills. But it does mean we probably need to support our business with either the help of a type A person who can come in and sort of keep us going in the right direction at the right time, or there's certainly software that can help supplement, too. I mean, I know just in, in working with you in organizing the podcast, you use Calendly. You have notes that are set up. So you have this system that's in place that helps you provide structure to people who come on your podcast as guests. So you don't bear the burden of, like, remembering, oh, I need to tell Sherry that we record this way and I need to do this and I need to do that. I mean, as, as an out-of-the-box sort of more chaotic person, like, you're not going to be good at those things. Right. So you can create systems that do them for you.
0: Right, right, and that was that came about because my first few guests, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you this, and I'm like, I should stop forgetting to tell my guest things. <laughs> um, uh, so moving to the the personality stuff, right? I know a lot of at least a lot of people in the WordPress space, which is where the core of my audience is, are introverts either self-identified or otherwise i am super duper extroverted what what kind of effects does that have on a business like what should somebody think about if they're introverted versus extroverted
1: i think so for people who tend to be extroverts it's such a great superpower especially as you're in sales or marketing or just letting people know about what you're passionate about and what you're doing in your business but it can provide sometimes some blind spots, particularly in listening and observing. So if you want to be an extrovert, or if you are an extrovert, rather, like you often, you don't struggle to fill space. You don't struggle to facilitate or host a conversation, but it might be a little bit harder for you to listen well. And listening, of course, is super important in a business. you got to listen to your clients. you got to listen to feedback from people that work for you and with you. And if you are, often the the center stage person, it's really helpful to be super intentional about getting feedback and really listening to that feedback well. I also think it can be easy to kind of neglect your inner life if you're if you're an extrovert. It's not that extroverts aren't deep people. They certainly can be and they certainly are, but to really take time to think about like, how am I doing? what's going well in my life? What's my emotional life like these days? That self-reflection internalization can be a little bit more challenging for extroverts, but it's still really important for them.
0: Gotcha. Nice. Yeah, that's, well, I was nodding my head a lot during that. So I'm definitely relating to what you're saying. And as far as introverts go, first of all, I'll say this, like people often equate introversion with antisocial, but that's not really the case, right?
1: Psychologically speaking, those are super, super different things. So antisocial is like antisocial personality disorder, which is essentially someone who lacks the neurological capacity for empathy. Like Mm -hmm. they tend to be like highly represented in the clinical or like in the prison population. So don't use antisocial when you mean not very socially oriented because antisocial is like a very different thing.
0: Awesome. I'm really glad you clarified that. Yeah. So I meant it more colloquially as a as in people tend to shy away from social events. But even yes, that's not necessarily the case for introverts, right? I mean, introverts, I'm friends with many whom I've met at conferences. So
1: yeah, I so I was at the speaker's dinner for converted, which is uh, lead pages hosted this converted conference, which is like heavy marketers like Ezra Firestone was there. Anyway, I'm Derek Halpern was there. Rob was a speaker. Really, like, gregarious, onstage people who you would think would be, like, the extroverted extroverts. And as we went around the table and talked about this, like, the vast majority of them identified as introverts. So – being an introvert has really nothing to do with how well you can hold a conversation or how well you can present on stage. Being an introvert has to do with how you restore your level of energy. And usually that that sort of the way of recharging your personal batteries happens by yourself. Your inner world is important. The quality of what happens inside of you is of great interest and importance to you if you're an introvert.
0: Gotcha. That's and and that makes sense. I my wife, who is an introvert and I are differ in that way. She values her alone time. I told her the last time I went to WordCamp US, I walked in, there were like two thousand people. I knew many of them, right? And like I was totally energized by that experience. Kid
1: in a candy store. Yeah,
0: exactly. So that's that's fantastic. What other highlights from this chapter do, do, would you like to mention here? Because I mean you know, again, we're just kind of getting a taste of one chapter of of a, a book, and I'm already like really excited to read the rest of it because I I love everything you're saying right now.
1: I think the the take home in this chapter is like is really no matter how you're built as a person, there are some like superpowers intrinsic in that. So if you're a really introverted person you have some amazing skills in your ability to observe and read situations because you're not busy talking you're often busy watching and so understanding what superpowers you have based on just who you are in the world is really great in terms of identifying and cultivating your own strengths But then we also want to tell the truth about the shadow side or the liabilities that go along with being an introvert, for example, and the things that you might have to intentionally either make yourself do or hire out or plan around so that they don't become weaknesses that damage your business. Gotcha. So self-knowledge is just about self-reflection. What am I good at? What am I not good at? And really being honest with yourself, which is not always easy to do. I think some of us are just naturally pretty barricaded against that kind of honest self-assessment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's, I mean, that's fantastic. I know we're like kind of coming up on time already, but there's, there's more I'd like to talk about. Well, what's your favorite part of the book, would you say? Oh, that's like choosing
1: a favorite child. I know.
0: This is like (laughs) out of left field, too. Like I send show notes and this was I didn't like prep you for this question. So that's
1: okay. (laughs) I think there are. So there's a chapter that is kind of a deep dive into mental health that that you know, where we talk about depression, the chapter is called Coming Undone. And I feel pretty proud of that because I do feel like it's a unique voice that I offer to the entrepreneur world that many other people can't offer with the same quality and depth as somebody who's, you know, spent years and years and years training as a psychologist. Yeah, I, I do feel, I don't know. I feel like (laughs) lame saying this, but I'm like, I'm proud of this book. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of me in here. Mm -hmm. So I'm like already sort of like bolstering myself from the negative feedback that I know will come. that's part of putting something out there in the world. Not everyone's going to love it and that's okay. But like this, this represents like some hard work that I want to offer to the community. And I, I hope it's helpful.
0: Absolutely. And, and maybe we can parse that out a little bit, right? Before we started recording, I told you about an experience I had on the day of this recording, which was not based on any of my work at all. It was about a pretty strong opinion about sports fans from a particular area and all of the negativity I got from that. And that wasn't even like something that I was deeply attached to, but I felt it because it came pretty hard. So what advice do you have for somebody who's totally putting themselves out there, right? If you work for somebody, you're probably doing somebody else's work. And while you might enjoy the work you're doing, I'm not saying you don't enjoy that work, but as an entrepreneur, it's all you. It's your idea. It's your execution. How do you bolster yourself from from the inevitable negative feedback that will come at you?
1: I think we have to choose our spheres of deep feedback. So like Rob has read the book. He wrote it with me. If he has feedback, I'm going to listen. There are a circle of friends, there's a circle of other entrepreneurs who I share my ideas with and whatever feedback they have to say, positive or negative, I really listen. Then there's a, you know, like my Twitter followers or people I'm a, with on Facebook or people who have done consulting with me and their, their perspective matters to me, but it's at this other level on the concentric circles of my selfhood, right? They don't get to like have this like direct route to my heart. <laughs> there, I'm going to filter a little bit more. And I do think so we have to kind of choose how much we let people in and be willing to dismiss feedback or at least give it less weight from certain people. I think the other thing that I am just talking to myself a lot about is that I, I did my best to provide something valuable. And again not everyone's going to like it but i did my best to provide something valuable so i'm just going to like say that over and over to myself especially when when i'm confronted with negative feedback there are certainly things that could be better about the book and i hope my next book is better i hope my podcast continues to get better i'm oriented towards growing but i'm not going to spend a lot of time thinking about feedback that doesn't help me grow
0: that's i think that's great advice and You know, kind of based on what you're saying there, something that I told myself this morning as I'm reading all of these mean tweets uh, is that tweet is a blip on that person's radar, right? They're gonna make that comment and then move on with their life. And I should do the same. I should read it and move on. If I think it's gonna be helpful to me, then I will take it. But kind of taking all of these five seconds or less that these people took to write the tweet to heart and like really carry it with me is not healthy. And not helpful either. So,
1: yeah, your response shouldn't be greater than the energy that was put into the feedback.
0: Ah, man, I love that. That's probably gonna be the quote that I use to like promote this episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Quotable.
0: Yeah, awesome. So, uh, as we come up to the end here, uh, I wanna ask we talked a lot, we talked a lot about the content of the book and the book writing process. Let's look at like post launch. What are your plans for the future of of this book, of follow up books, of things like that? Like what are you going to do after the book comes out?
1: Well, after the book comes out, I hope I get the opportunity to talk about it a lot and share it with people. So I'm you know, trying to leave space in my life and world for some conference speaking and, you know, being on podcasts and hopefully talking about the book as much as people will be willing to listen. Rob and I are also hatching a plan for a course that we're going to do, a video course that's going to be related to family life and particularly how to keep peace with your significant other while you're launching a business. So I'm working on writing the content for that right now and we'll be recording in early February. So I think we are wanting to work together to provide some things that are like more accessible to people than again, like hours of podcast content or coming to a conference or something like that. So-
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that's great. So so the course that you mentioned, is that based on I know you were doing these events called Zen Tribes, right? I don't I didn't have this written down, but I'm like ad libbing a little bit. And one was specifically about being an entrepreneur and or and like being the spouse of an entrepreneur, is that right?
1: Right we did a couple's retreat in September yeah. Yeah. with with a group of folks where we really did a deep dive into how do you like keep your relationship healthy under this the stress of being an entrepreneur which I think was one of the the most the things that I found most valuable and am most proud of in terms of last year what I worked on. So then we put together a Zen tribe for families that we called Founder Families. But to be honest, we never launched it because we could like never find a time when we could get people and their significant others together in a group. So it, you know, we were looking at evening times, mm-hmm. and people are busy, and so that's why the course seemed like a, a better way to do that. It's kind of a do-it-yourself at home kind of course.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I know. Like uh, the the last. Kind of one that you announced was bad timing for me. I had considered it though because it, I mean the the things that you talk about the the kind of camaraderie that you have with the other people in these groups is is super valuable. And plus, uh, I know that you're heavily involved with like the Heskeths and they're like the the parents that I want to grow up to be you know? <laughs> and I've, I've they're told amazing them, yeah, I've told them that before so they're not like hearing this for the first time but so uh that sounds fantastic and uh so for the last question I know you gave us a lot of great advice but uh do you have any trade secrets for us mm.
1: I think the trade secret that I've been thinking about a lot for mental health is to play long ball To really not get tangled in the day to day ups and downs, but to play long ball with your business and long ball with your life.
0: Gotcha. I like that. So, uh, you know, have a bad day here, have a good day there. But over the long term, you know, it's like investing in stocks. You don't want to live and die by a single day of trading. Cool. Very cool. Well, Dr. Walling, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, where can people find you? I'm at
1: zenfounder.com. All so right. all the things that we are scheming and dreaming are there. And we'd love to, we love hearing from people who are thinking about mental health. So people can absolutely find us there. And I'm Sherry at zenfounder.com
0: via email. What a great conversation. Thanks again to Sherry for joining me and for kicking off this series on how to build a business definitely check out our book i'll link it in the show notes it's $3.99 for the kindle so it it should be a no-brainer and thanks again to our sponsors make sure to check out liquid web for managed wordpress hosting i use them on all my important sites they are that good they're over at buildpodcast.net they'll give you 50 percent off for the first two months just for being a listener if you want to save your clients and yourself Money through recovering abandoned carts, check out Jilt. They're over at buildpodcast.net slash jilt. And finally, if you want to build incredible websites at a fraction of the time and cost, check out Beaver Builder. I use them and I love them. They're over at buildpodcast.net slash builder. For all of the show notes, head over to howibuilt.it slash sixty eight. If you like the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and a rating. It helps people discover us, and it's been working. This week, we were number 16 in the top charts for technology podcasts. Thank you so much for that. Uh, And finally, recently, I published my brand new Patreon page. It offers a lot better rewards and great goals, and I'm really doubling down on it. So if you like the show and you want to support it directly, head over to patreon.com howibuiltit. You can support the show for as little as $1 a month. Continuing the series next week, I'm talking to Sarah Dunn about niching down. She's been very transparent about her process, so I'm excited to get her on the show to talk about the decision-making process. And hopefully it'll help you too. But until next time, get out there and build something.